This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist. I would like to welcome you to an exciting new series I'm putting on each month in 2017. In the month of January, I'm going to go through 30 days to a better compliance program. So each day, I will detail some part of a compliance program that you can utilize to help you improve to have a best practices compliance program for 2017. With the operationalization of compliance mandated by the Department of Justice in the form of their Compliance Council, Wei Chin, and incorporated into the FCPA pilot program announced by the Department of Justice in April 2016, it's more important than ever that you upgrade your compliance program and show how you've operationalized. In this series, I'm going to help you do that. I hope you will enjoy this series. I hope you will join me, and I look forward to this journey with you. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and welcome to Day 8 of 30 Days to a Better Compliance Program. Today, we're going to take a look at confidential reporting and internal investigations. The FCPA guidance has about as clear and concise a statement around hotlines as is possible. It says, an effective compliance program should include a mechanism for an organization's employees and others to report suspected or actual misconduct or violations of the company's policies on a confidential basis and without fear of retaliation. But more than simply hotlines, companies have to make a real effort to listen to people. And they have to make a real effort not to, excuse me, they have to make a real effort so that employees are not afraid to speak up. You must spend your time working on that issue. You need to have managers trained on how to handle employees' concerns. They must be incentivized to take on compliance responsibility. And you must devote communication resources to reinforcing your company's culture and values to create an environment and expectation that managers will raise employees' concerns to an appropriate level. The reason is that your own employees are your own best source of information about what is going on in your company. It is certainly a best practice for a company to listen to its own employees, particularly to help improve its processes and procedures. But more than simply listening to employees, companies should have a safe and secure route for employees to escalate their concerns. If you think about the recent Wells Fargo scandal, where numerous employees have come forward now saying that they were actually terminated, disciplined, or otherwise discriminated against because they raised concerns directly to the compliance function in the hotline. That is something that simply is not tolerated by the Department of Justice in the FCPA context. But it's more than just a hotline. It's really about communications. And this includes the burgeoning area in the Securities and Exchange Commission around uh, retaliation for reporting and pretaliation now. Pretaliation is when you have a language in a confidentiality agreement, an employment agreement, or a post-separation agreement, which precludes specifically an employee from going to government authorities when they believe they have evidence of illegal conduct. So we've had now, I think, five cases where the SEC has brought enforcement actions for company, companies not discriminating against employees for bringing forward information, but for having such language in their employment agreements or post-separation agreements. 
I would urge you to take a look at your employment agreements around confidential, uh, confidentiality, confidential information, and when that might be disclosed to outside the corporation in your internal employment agreements for currently existing employees and for your post-separation agreements. Because if you don't look at it now, the Department, excuse me, the Securities and Exchange Commission certainly will and may assess you a very large fine based upon simply upon your language. So what are some of the best practices for a hotline? I would suggest you start with at least the following. Availability. A hotline should be available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and toll free. It should be available in the native tongue of the person utilizing it. So if your workforce uses more than one communications for intercompany communications, your hotline should reflect this as well. Number two, anonymity. While some foreign jurisdictions do not allow anonymous reporting, the U.S. is certainly not one of them. You need to have a mechanism that allows for an employee to make an anonymous report and put safeguards around it, which will ensure anonymity going forward should the reporting employee desire it. Escalation. Number three. After a report is received through the hotline, it should be distributed to the appropriate person or department for action and oversight. This would include resolution of the information presented and, if warranted, consistent application of the investigation process throughout the pendency of the matter. Number four, follow-up. There should be a mechanism for follow-up with the hotline reporter, even if the report is made anonymously. This allows the appropriate person within your organization to substantiate the report or obtain additional information at an early stage, if appropriate. And number five, oversight. The information communicated through the hotline should be available to the appropriate board or manage a board committee. Hopefully you have a compliance committee on your board or the management committee in the form of statistical summaries and there be an audit trail available to the appropriate oversight group of actions taken and resolutions of information presented. Next, what's your investigation protocol? Because internal investigations have become even more critical after the implementation of the Dodd-Frank Whistleblower Office at the Securities and Exchange Commission. You basically have 120 days after information comes in to set up your uh, investigation and complete it. And in the corporate world, 120 days, it's not quite the blink of an eye, but it's uh, pretty close to that. So that means you have to have a protocol in place. I suggest a five-step process for your investigation consisting of the following five steps. Number one, opening and categorizing the case. Under this step, you should categorize the any ethics and compliance violation which comes in. You should notify the relevant individuals, including your investigation team and any senior management members under your notification protocols. After notification, you should assemble your investigative team for a preliminary meeting and assessment, and this step should be accomplished in one to three days after the allegation comes into the compliance uh, function. Number two, planning the investigation. After assembling your investigative team, you should determine the required investigative tasks. This would include document reviews and interviews. If hard drives need to be copied or documents put on hold, <clears throat> this needs to be accomplished as well. The task should be integrated into a written investigation uh, or work plan, <clears throat> so the entire process is uh, documented going forward. If there's a variation of your investigative work plan, such variation should be documented and an explanation provided as to why such a variation existed. Finally, if international travel is involved, you should consider and plan for this. Step two should be accomplished within another one to three days. Step three, executing the investigation plan. 
<clears throat> Under this step, the investigation should be completed. I would urge that the interviews not be affected until all documents are reviewed and ready for use in any view. Care should be taken to <clears throat> uh, make sure an appropriate upjohn warning is issued and the interviewee clearly understands Whoever is performing the interview represents the company and not the person being interviewed, whether they are the target or not. Uh, it also may entail uh, obtaining representation of counsel for the interviewee as well. The appropriate steps should be taken to preserve the attorney-client privilege and attorney-client work product assertions. This step sh three should be accomplished in one to two weeks. Step four, determining appropriate follow-up. At this step, the preliminary investigation should be completed and you are now ready to move into the final work phase. In some investigations, it is relatively easy to determine when the work is essentially complete. For example, if the allegation is both specific and narrow, then the investigation reveals a compelling and benign explanation for the conduct involved. Then the investigation typically is complete and you're ready to convene the investigative team and business unit, relevant business unit personnel. <clears throat> the group would decide on an appropriate disciplinary step or other actions to take. This step four should be completed in one week. I must caution that if there are specific findings or discrete allegations of corruption and bribery going forward, at this point you're going to have to make a decision on whether or not to bring in external counsel, uh, who at the board you're going to need to notify, and a series of other steps leading to potential self-disclosure with the Department of Justice. Next, step five, closing the case. Under this step, you should communicate investigation to relevant stakeholders and complete the case report. Everything done in steps one through four should be documented and stored either electronically or in hard copy form together. So I know I ran through that pretty quickly, but uh, it's still important that you have uh, these protocols or at least a protocol in place because this 120-day deadline, I cannot emphasize how important it is and how difficult it would be to meet in a typical corporate environment. So what are your three key takeaways from today? Well, first of all, it's the pretaliation issue, which has come to the fore from the Securities and Exchange Commission. It is absolutely mandatory that you look at your employment agreements with your currently existing employees and your separation agreements from those who have left your company uh, around their right to go forward, or at least no, nothing which would prevent them from going to a relevant legal authority for allegations of criminal activity. Number two, and this one is uh, pretty straightforward and cost-effective, test your hotline. When was the last time you tested your hotline from every country your company does business? Uh, you should run a test to make sure the phone line's working. Uh, you could make up some facts to see if they come through in an appropriate manner, but test your hotline. And finally, do not forget social media. Uh, if you have an internal uh, company Twitter chat or other internal feed, that may be a very good source of information for you as well. So don't forget social media. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.